Okay, one more time. Let's thank God for moms, right? Yeah. Man, you may be seated. I, what I appreciate most about my mom, because I'll be like one of these kids, is her commitment to excellence, and she instilled that in me. Then I married a woman, this beautiful, smoking hot woman over here, Kristen, who's also a woman committed to excellence, and she instilled that in our kids. And by marrying her, I also have, have a mother-in-law who is committed to excellence. So I'm surrounded by women who are committed to excellence, and it can't help but make me a better man. So thank you for making me a better, better man. Judgment Day, Mother's Day, there's a message there. I'm not going to talk about that one, okay? I'm not going there. Let's pray. God, please prepare us to receive your word this morning. Open our minds and our hearts to your truth. Mm. Yeah, your truth is, is that you win. And that everybody who follows you wins spiritually forever. So I'm asking as we do every week, please pour out your Holy Spirit on us. Holy Spirit, begin to convict us where the evil one may be trying to win in our life. Purge us of that nonsense. Fill us with more of you, more of your spirit. Come on, Holy Spirit, come on. And then transform us and send us out to change the world. Your mighty name we pray and ask. Amen. Hey, picture this. Everybody in the world is gathered in their local town looking at some mega screen. Think um, the Hunger Games. Remember the Hunger Games series? Right? Like, it's like the world's like, almost divide, it seems like divided into districts and everyone's coming out to look at his big screen on the district and see what's going on. So picture that. People are coming up on a platform next to this big uh, mega screen. Your name's called. So you come up on this platform to the right of this mega screen, and, and, then, and then your life movie begins to play. All of your dark and dirty secret and moments are replayed in living color and surround sound for all the world to see and hear. Camera angles, they don't, they don't miss any dastardly deed. They catch you at your worst The microphone catches every inappropriate word. You're standing there on that platform alone, vulnerable. No one to defend you. You feel like you're toast. The only thing that's left at the end of this movie is the pronouncement, heaven or hell. Now, unfortunately, that's the image that has been implanted in many people's minds regarding judgment day. I think I heard a message somewhat like that, maybe, maybe different imagery used, at least 50 times when I was growing up. What kind of impact did that have on me? Well, in my 20s, when I was working as a lawyer and I was flying around the country, this is the impact. I, would, I think I shared this before, I'd white knuckle it every time would take off. Oh my goodness, let me confess. God, I'm sorry for everything I've done. In case we go down, I want to make sure I go to heaven. It's like I was buying hell insurance because I was afraid, right? That relationship never lasted because it was all based on fear, right? It was just one of those moments because I remembered like, oh my goodness, I, I don't want to go to hell. So I better have that conversation. When I heard those messages growing up, I, I never went to the altar. Just never did, except for once when I was at a camp. Like everybody was there. And I remember Peter 
you know, looking around like, what's everybody doing? I don't feel a thing. The only reason why I'm down at this altar right now is because someone just literally scared the hell out of me, right? Never been there? It seems that, that many people who sensationalize revelation put it all in the future. And they attempt to scare us and manipulate us into a relationship with God. Turn or burn. You ever hear that? Confess your sin or burn in hell forever. You ever you ever hear that? I mean, Revelation chapters 8 through 11, which we're going to look at today, have been used to do just that. Scare us into a relationship with God because God's going to kill us if we don't submit to God. Maybe some people can be scared and manipulated into a relationship that develops and lasts. Not me. When you think about it, what? At least I did. Why, why would I ever want to develop a relationship with someone that I'm only afraid of? Beginning in Revelation chapter 8 through chapter 11, seven angels blow seven trumpets. And I just want to stop right there and take a pause and just connect a couple dots. A couple of weeks ago, we talked about six seals. Today, we're talking about trumpets. And I want to make sure that when we read Revelation, that we don't read it in it's like a chronological order. Like this happens, and this happens, and this happens, and this happens. It, there's a recapitulation of themes throughout Revelation. And so there, these themes are looked at in different ways with different imagery, maybe emphasizing different points, maybe with some different intensity as we do. So, so a couple of weeks ago, we looked at these six seals. Revelation chapter 6, and in the first four of the four horsemen, the second seal was the martyrs who, who died, and in the, in the sixth seal were those people who were running for the hills on what? Well, judgment day, because they had killed or harmed the people of the fifth seal. While, while, while the four horsemen of the four, four seals, the first four seals, while the, those, those seals, those horsemen really emphasized the res what happens when human sinfulness kind of is running amok out there. These seven trumpets that we're going to look at, uh, they, they kind of emphasize God's active involvement in addressing evil and sin. Listen to what we're told here in Revelation chapter 7 beginning at, I mean, chapter 8, beginning at verse 7, okay? The first angel sounded his trumpet, and there came hail and fire mixed with blood, and it was hurled down on the earth. A third, remember this, I want you to, I'm going to say a third a lot. We'll get to what that means. A third of the earth was burned up, a third of the trees were burned up, and all the green grass was burned up. The second angel sounded a trumpet, and something like a huge mountain, all ablaze, was thrown into the sea. A third of the sea turned into blood, a third of the living creatures in the sea died, and a third of the ships were destroyed. The third angel sounded his trumpet, and a great star, blazing like a torch, fell from the sky on a third of the rivers and on the springs of water. The name of the star is Wormwood. What does that mean? What does wormwood mean? It simply means calamity and sorrow. So calamity and sorrow are falling, okay? 
A third of the waters turned bitter, and many people died from the waters that had become bitter, because that's what bitterness does. Kills our hearts, right? It's a prison we don't, we don't want to get out of. It causes pain, despair, brokenness. Verse 12, the fourth angel sounded his trumpet. A third of the sun was struck, a third of the moon, and a third of the stars, so that a third of them turned dark. A third of the day was without light, and also a third of the night. Sounds like God is shaking the earth like a dog shaking a ragdoll. Beginning in verse, I mean, beginning in chapter 9, we see that the, when the fifth trumpet is blown, it opens a bottomless pit. And hordes of warrior locusts come out. They have bodies like horses, and they have faces like men. Beginning of verse 4 of Revelation chapter 9, we're, we're told this. And they sting like scorpions, by the way. Verse 4, we're told this. They, that is these warrior locusts, were told not to harm the grass of the earth or any plant or tree, but only those people who did not have the seal of God on their foreheads. So, so these, first few, these first four trumpets that were blown, you know, there's things that happen to the earth. Both those who follow God and, and those who don't follow God, they, they're going to suffer in, in some capacity. Something, something, it's not going to work right, right? Here now we're getting to this place is now we're focused on those who are not following God, okay? So, so these, these warrior locusts, they, they're not to touch anyone that has the, the seal of God on their forehead, right? That, that's in essence the Holy Spirit, okay? That, that identifies us as, as people of God. So they're only, they're only to harm those that are not following God. They, that is these warrior locusts, verse five, were not allowed to kill them, but only to torture them, harm them, for five months. Revelation is full of number imagery. What does this mean, five months? Well, it means a limited time period. Not necessarily a short time period, but a, a limited time period. Why? Why limited? And why, why not just, why, why harm? Why not just kill, right? Why limited? Well, so that the people who aren't following God have an opportunity to repent and start following God, Okay. Continuing on in that verse, in the agony they suffered, that is people that aren't following God, was like that of the sting of a scorpion when it strikes. So, so they're experiencing the pain of sin. They're experiencing the despair of sin. They're experiencing the brokenness of sin. And then in verse 13 of Revelation chapter 9, we're told that the sixth trumpet blows, the angel blows the sixth trumpet, and it unleashes four angels and 200 million horsemen that kill one-third of mankind. Now, when you read verse 13 in context with verse 20, and we're going to get to verse 20 here in a minute, okay? When you read that, you see that what we're talking about here is one-third of those who are not following God. That'll become clear when we look at verse 20, okay? You, so, so you may think that the four horsemen, if you were here for that, were scary. If you read verses 13 through 21, you read the description of these 200 million horsemen, you may, you may get more scared. I don't know. So what's, what's, what's going on here? Well, six trumpets have blown, and the seventh is coming. John 
takes a pause between the sixth and seventh trumpet in Revelations 10, chapters 10 and 11, to, among other things, to remind us, that is, those who follow God, what our role is in God's story. And, and, and he does that by talking to us about the two witnesses. And those two witnesses symbolize the witnessing church. So what is our role? Well, our role is bearing witness to God's truth and God's love as we walk this path of life so that everyone in our sphere of influence who's not following God yet may come to know this God, may come to start following this God because they see how we live, how we speak, how we deal with tough things, how we celebrate things in life-giving ways. And they're like, oh my goodness, I want some of that. How, what is that? And we tell them about this God who's changed everything in our life. Are, are, you, guys, are you guys with me? Now, when we play this role, as we read about these two witnesses, when we play this role, when we bear witness to God's truth and God's love in this world, we're going to suffer to various degrees. Some of us may even die. It, it all depends on actually right now where you live in this world, the degree to which and whether you may actually die for bearing witness to God's truth and God's love. And who's going to kill us, possibly, or cause us to suffer? Those who have rejected God. I think that John means for us to locate ourselves between the sixth and the seventh trumpet. If that's true, because the seventh trumpet hasn't blown yet. Every scholar agrees the seventh trumpet hasn't blown yet, and you'll see why in a minute. Because that's the final judgment day, right? If that's true, trumpets one through six are past and present, not future which raises some interesting questions for us. When in the past, and this is so important for us when we read Revelation, actually some of the Im imagery and some of the way it's put refers back to things that already happened. So I wanna ask you this question. When in the past have we seen hail do damage to vegetation? When in the past have we seen water turn to blood? When in the past have we seen uh, darkness cover a part of the earth? When in the past have we seen locusts, hordes of locusts do massive damage? When in the past have we seen a rampaging Calvary bent on destroying a people? Well, what about the Exodus in the Old Testament? The Exodus story, Re remember? The plagues that God sent upon the Egyptians and the hardened Pharaoh who sent his rampaging cavalry after the Israelites to get them as they were fleeing. The story of the Exodus is the story of God that's shaking Egypt to liberate God's people. Apparently, God was judging Egypt. And again, God's judgment can either save or destroy. It all depends on our response. We'll see that. So God's judging Egypt. Moses and the Israelites were saved. Why? Because they listened to and obeyed God's voice. The marked ones were spared. Blood over the doorposts sealed them. If you remember that story, it's the last plague. They were told, hey, God's death angel is going to come over the land of Egypt, and it's, this death angel is going to kill every firstborn unless an animal is sacrificed in that blood. I like to think the blood of the lamb is put above the doorpost, and if they, the death angel sees that blood above the doorpost, the death angel will pass over them. 
Jewish people still celebrate today, the Passover festival. We celebrate that today, the Passover festival. Do you see the connection between the Exodus and Revelation chapter 9 with, with God's people not being taught? Those who are sealed by God, those who had the blood of the Lamb sealed over their doorposts were not touched. Are you guys, are you guys with me on that? God inflicted Pharaoh and the people who were living in Egypt, Egyptians, with these various plagues. Why? So that they would know that God is the one true God. And so that maybe, just maybe, they may humble themselves and start following the one true God. Remember, Pharaoh believed that he was God. And the Egyptians also believed that Pharaoh was God. And God's like, well, I'm going I'm to correct that thinking. The hardened Pharaoh and the Egyptians, they, they experienced destruction and disaster. Why? Because they refused to acknowledge God as God. Because they refused to give their allegiance to God. Similarly, these plagues <laughs> in chapters 8 and 9 of Revelation... They're really meant to present sinful humanity with the same choice. Again, let me say that. These plagues of Revelation 8 and 9 are, are meant to present sinful humanity, which, guess what, may include some of these people of these seven churches in Asia Minor that this letter of Revelation was written to. Because if you remember, they were starting to get sideways. Some of them not even started to follow God yet. They're starting to go down some bad paths. Maybe sinful humanity also includes some of us right here and right now. So again, these plagues were meant to, to present sinful humanity with, with the same choice. Repent, that is, turn from evil, follow God, and experience spiritual life forever and forever and forever, living in right relationship with God and with everyone else that follows God forever and forever. Or follow something else and eventually experience spiritual Death forever. The one-third symbol in which one-third of something died or was destroyed indicates that although God is bringing punishment on sinful humanity, God's judgment is not yet final and complete. So this one-third symbol really is an example of God's mercy. Mercy being the act of withholding deserved punishment. So that in this case, sinful humanity, which again may include some of these people of these seven churches of Asia Minor, and which also may include some of us, has the opportunity to turn from evil and follow God. Does that make sense? And so when we experience things in this world, like COVID, things that, that, that cause us to acknowledge our mortality and our frailty as human beings, things that may cause us to say, ooh, maybe I'm not in control of everything. Although some people may want to point to it and say, well, that definitely that's a God thing, or I don't know, maybe that's a, I, 
doesn't really matter. But when things like this happen that show us that we're not in control, they're God mercy and grace moments for us to really reflect upon who? Where are we in our relationship with God? When people are asking questions and say, maybe, maybe, like I did, like I had in the past, when I, I used to worship the Trinity of me, myself, and I, but when these things happened, I realized I, I can't control everything. And there's people in our sphere of influences that aren't following God yet. When these things happen, they may be more inclined to actually ask us questions. They may be actually more observant of how we act and conduct ourselves sometimes in the unexplainable or the things that make us go, ooh. How do we handle fear and adversity and challenge? What words come out of our mouths? What do we put on social media? When they live life with us, maybe at work, do they, do they see this person that's just centered on Jesus Christ? And so we have this peace that's untouchable because we know whose team we we're on. We know whose we are. We know what our eternity is going to look like. We're gonna live in right relationship with God forever. We know that we're on a winning team. Are, are you guys with me this morning? They're opportunities. Come on, church. Take advantage of them. Just live it. Say, come on, follow me as I follow God. Come on, follow this God that's changed everything. Are you with me? Simply put, the judgment of God can either save or destroy. It all depends on our response. God's judgment does not necessarily mean damnation and condemnation. God's judgment, like the judgment of a court of law, is, is, is really just God's verdict, God's evaluation, God's decision on a particular matter. That matter, in this case, being us. Are we a follower of God or are we not? So who are you? Pharaoh, back to the Exodus story, Pharaoh didn't want God's opinion Pharaoh didn't want some lame-tongued messenger by the name of Moses telling him what to do with a bunch of brick-laying slaves. Pharaoh's mind was made up. And with each decision not to let God's people go, Pharaoh's heart grew harder and harder. Pharaoh's refusal to give his allegiance to God stung his land like a scorpion and killed his people like a rampaging calvary. Similarly, Every time we say no to God and yes to sin, same thing happens to us. Sin stings us like a scorpion. And we experience some kind of pain, some kind of despair, some, some kind of brokenness. Because that's what sin leads to. And, and sin slowly kills our spirit by hardening our hearts towards God's voice. Does that make sense? Are you, you follow me? At the end of John's discussion of these 200 million horsemen who kill one third of those who are not following God, John makes this interesting point in verse 20. Now we'll get to verse 20. 
says this, the rest of mankind who were not killed by these plagues still did not repent. So that's why we're talking about people that are not following God, okay? So the rest, that is the two-thirds of mankind who were not killed by these plagues, still did not repent of the work of their hands. I mean, they, 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 still, they still worshiped what they could produce. They're still finding their safety and security in what they could make. They, they still did not stop worshiping demons and idols of gold, silver, bronze, stone, and wood, idols that cannot see or hear or walk. Nor did they repent of their murders, their magic arts, their sexual immorality, or their thefts. In other words, the sting of pain and despair and brokenness and even death brought on by sin that these people experienced who were not following God is they, is, they, is they observed some of their colleagues who are no longer here. They died because of sin. They maybe experienced some of this pain themselves. It only hardened their hearts. It's like they doubled down on evil. They continued worshiping something other than God, believing that it would provide them with the only thing that God can provide. What is that? Eternal safety and security forever and forever and forever. Think about it. Why do we chase after power or money or position or prestige? Why? Why do we chase after that? Because we think that that will provide us with what? Safety and security. I don't have to worry about anything. Are, are, are you guys following me here? So why? Why did these people just double down? on worshiping something other than God. I, I, I don't know why, but we can probably think about that. I mean, I, like for me at one point in my time, it's because I believed that I could handle my safety and my security. I trusted in my ability more than I trusted God. I didn't think God had my best interest at heart. Why? Because I was afraid of God. Because the picture of God was like, why do I want to follow this person that's just ready to zap me? Right? Just being real. The reasons for why they didn't repent and turn are probably endless. But I think, but I think one of the, the points being made here by John to these people, these seven churches, maybe even us, don't become like them. Don't go down the ungodly path because that only leads to pain and brokenness, despair, and eventually spiritual death forever. Remember, these people in these seven churches of Asia Minor, man, they got, had some issues, right? The people of the church of Ephesus, they had abandoned Christ's love. Apparently, it looks like for right religion, I mean, they actually, it seems like they believe that God's truth trumped God's love, right? We know that God's truth doesn't trump God's love because God's truth is God's love and vice versa, which had made them, apparently, it made them a rigid, frigid, rules-based church that God couldn't use anymore. So I'm going to remove your lampstand unless you repent for this because I need to use you to love people into my kingdom. And then the people of the, some of these other churches, Pergamum, Pergamum, 
Thyatira and Sardis. What was happening there? Well, they were starting to cave. They were starting to conform to the practices of the world. They were starting to become indifferent to being different as a follower of Jesus Christ, which would make them unusable by God, which would make them followers of something else. And then as we talked about last week, the people of the church of Laodicea, what were they doing? They were bowing to the throne of wealth, thinking that wealth, not God, would save them, would give them the the safety and security that they craved, would keep them from suffering persecution. This is why it's so important for us when we read Revelation to remember that it was a real letter written to real people with real issues for real reasons. And in parts of Revelation, John is giving them a wake-up call. Don't go down the ungodly path. Don't go that way. Because that way does not end well spiritually. Trumpets 1 through 6 are still being blown. God is moving heaven and earth to liberate sinful humanity, which again may include some of these people of these seven churches of Asia Minor and which may include some of us. God is moving heaven and earth to liberate us from what? From the pain, the despair, the brokenness of sin. God's big move in the Old Testament was the exodus out of Egypt. God's big move in the New Testament is, well, Jesus Christ. God, in fact, God so loved the world, right? That he gave his one and only son. So this is the God who loves us. I want to remember that, changed me. So that whoever believes in him, and that phrase believes in, some of you heard me talk about this before. It just means giving him our complete allegiance entrusting our entire being to him. Hey, you are Lord of my life and nothing else. I only follow you. So whoever believes in him shall not perish. Did you hear that? That that is, you're not gonna perish. You're not gonna be separated from God forever. You're not gonna live in broken relationship from God forever. You're not gonna live in hell. You're just not. You're not gonna perish. Thank you. But instead, what? We're gonna have eternal life. Oh man, we're going to live in right relationship with God and with everyone else who follows God forever and forever and forever. That, that's, that's good stuff, right? For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to do what? To save the world through him. And so God makes God's big rescue move through Jesus Christ and then does what? What does God do? God waits. What is God waiting for? He's waiting for our response to his gracious love act. I'm dying for you. That's how much I love you. My son's paying the price for your sin, so you don't have to. Come on, come follow me. Enjoy this life that I've created you to live. Come on. The seventh trumpet hasn't been blown yet. Every scholar agrees with that. At some point in time, it's going to be blown, though. We're told this in verse 15 of Revelation chapter 11. The seventh angel sounded his trumpet, 
And there were loud voices in heaven which said, the kingdom of the world has become the kingdom of our Lord and of his Messiah. And we're going to talk more about that at the end of the month. And he will reign forever and ever. And the 24 elders, the people of God, who were seated on their thrones before God, fell on their faces and worshiped God, saying, we give thanks to you, Lord God Almighty, the one who is and who was, because you have taken your great power and have begun to reign. The nations were angry and your wrath has come. The time has come for judging the dead. That is, the time has come for judgment day. Remember, Revelation is a recapitulation of themes. So in chapter 6, we saw some view of Judgment Day. Chapter 11, we're seeing some view of Judgment Day. Chapter 20, we'll see view of Judgment Day. Judgment Day is going to happen. It's, it's going to happen. It just hasn't happened yet. So the time has come for judging the dead and for rewarding your servants, the prophets, and your people who revere that is, who have a healthy fear and respect of your name, that is, who, those who follow you, both small and great, so it doesn't matter. God wants everybody. I mean, God wants everybody. It doesn't matter your worldly status, right? And for destroying those who destroy the earth. Again, this letter of Revelation is a message of hope. This is a message of hope for these people, these seven churches. God wins. And if you follow God, <laughs> guess what? You win too. You're going to be rewarded. You're going to spend eternity with God. That's, that's good. So, so stick it out, no matter what's coming your way. Stay true to your faith. Keep following. Keep letting God use you. So be careful then, dear brothers and sisters. As the writer of Hebrew puts it in Hebrews chapter 3, beginning of verse 12. And, and I, this is what I'm saying to you. Just be careful, dear brothers and sisters. Make sure that your own hearts are not evil and unbelieving, turning you away from the living God. Uh, why do I pray? Because I love you guys. And I know you're praying for me too because you love me. Verse 13, you must warn each other every day. That's why we are so passionate here at Church on the Hill about Everyone getting into some type of a small group. We need each other. We need each other to hold each other accountable, call each other out, encourage each other, walk the path together. This, it's too hard to live life alone, right? So, so we must warn each other every day while it is still today so that none of you will be deceived by sin because, man, the evil one's tricky. And then hardened against God. For if we are faithful to the end, trusting God just as firmly as when we first believed, we will share in all that belongs to Christ. Remember what it says today when you hear his voice, don't harden your hearts as Israel did when they rebelled. Skipping to verse 19. Because the result of that is this. So we see that because of their, that is the Israelites' unbelief, they were not able to enter his rest. That is God's rest. As you read Hebrews 3 and 4, initially he's talking about Sabbath rest, and then he's talking about the rest that we can have if we follow God forever and forever and forever as we rest in God's safety and security. Okay? When the writer of Hebrews says, let me read this again, today when you hear his voice don't harden your hearts. I think he's suggesting that God is speaking to us more often than we think. 
Why? Well, to help us navigate this maze of life with all of its twists and turns. To help us stay on the God path. And the question really is, is are, we, are we listening to God's voice on a daily basis as we go about life? Huh. And so today, if we're listening, God may be saying to you, don't go down that path. Don't look at that. Don't drink too much of that. Don't take that to numb your pain. Don't let the evil one breathe that negativity into you because it will only take you to a dark place, to a dark pit. Don't let the evil one cause you to demonize another God creation to justify your actions. Don't go there. Don't go that way because that way only leads to pain and despair and brokenness and spiritual death where there is no spiritual rest. Instead, I just, I know it's, I just hear God like kind of screaming from these Hebrews chapters. Instead, just, just come follow me and experience my rest. In fact, Jesus says this in Matthew chapter 11, beginning at verse 28. Jesus said, come to me. Come on. Come to me, all who are weary and carry heavy burdens. Is there anybody here today who, who just feels a little weary right now? I mean, is there anybody here today who's just carrying some burdens that you just, man, I'm just tired of carrying. I don't want to carry. Anybody? Raise your hand. I mean, if you don't. Yeah. Jesus is saying, just come to me. And he says what? I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. What does that mean, Pastor Dave? Why does that give you rest? And he says, take my yoke upon you. Well, during this time period, hear me on this. Rabbis had something called yokes. Jesus was a rabbi. All these other rabbis, their yokes were all their interpretations of all of the, the laws and the regulations of the Old Testament. And those yokes were like, they were like a mile long. And so a normal person would never be able to know all the interpretations of a particular, it was a, it was, it was a burden. And so these rabbis were like, I'm up here, you're down here, you can't know. And it's so hard to follow them because of that. And Jesus says, take my yoke upon you. <laughs> Why? Because his yoke is this, love God with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength. <laughs> Just start there. And if you do that, God's gonna enable you to do the second thing, love your neighbor, which includes your enemy as yourself. And then teach others to do the same. So it's the, it's the great commandment and the great commission. So he's just saying, hey, take, take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you. Because Jesus is saying, I am humble and gentle at heart, not like some of these other arrogant rabbis. No, I'm, I'm humble and gentle. And, you, and if you come, let me teach you and just come, fall, come to me. I will give you rest for your souls, that is your mind and your will and your emotions that the evil one is playing with. Just rest in me. For my yoke is easy to bear. Love God, love neighbor, teach others to do the same. And the burden I give you is life. 
So why wouldn't we come to Jesus if we're weary and if we're burdened? Why wouldn't we follow him? Why wouldn't we allow him to give, give us rest for our souls, our minds, our will and emotions that sometimes are just whoa, going everywhere? Especially when you think of this, when we were utterly helpless, I, mean, I really want you to get an idea who this God is that's calling us to come follow him. When we were utterly helpless, helpless, as Paul tells us in Romans chapter five, beginning of verse six, Christ came at just the right time and died for us sinners. So we wouldn't have to. Now, no one is likely to die for a good person, though someone might be willing to die for a person who's especially good, but God showed his great love for us by sending Christ, his one and only son, to die for us while we were still sinners, while we were still messing it up, while we were still engaging in nonsense. I'm gonna come to you. You don't have to clean yourself up. I'm gonna come to where you are and then, and then just let me do the work in you. All I want is you. I love you, right? Therefore, Paul tells us in Romans chapter eight, beginning of verse 31, what can we say about such wonderful things as these? These wonderful things that Paul's talking about, talks about earlier, Romans chapter eight, verses one and two. Here they are. So now there is no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. And because you belong to him, the power of the life-giving spirit has freed you from the power of sin that leads to death, which means you don't have to, and I don't have to do that anymore, and I don't have to be that way anymore. I have freedom. I have power. I have the Holy Spirit in me. So Paul says, verse 31, what can we say then about such wonderful things as these? If God is for us, who can ever be against us? Since God did not spare even his own son, but gave him up for us all, won't God who gave us Christ also give us everything else that has provided us with everything that we need to be who God has called us to be as we walk this path of life? Skipping to verse 38, and so Paul says, I am convinced that nothing can ever separate us from his love. Nothing. This is a God who loves us. This God doesn't want to kill us, right? Uh, my, my, my opposite, like what I heard, like, hey, follow God because he he's going to kill you if you don't. Follow God, no, because he's going to love you. <laughs> That's why to follow God. <laughs> this God has your best interest at heart. So he says, I'm convinced that nothing can ever separate us from his love. Death can't and life can't. The angels can't and the demons can't. Our fears for today, our worries about tomorrow, and even the powers of hell can't keep God's love away. Whether we are high above the sky, everything going well, or in the deepest ocean, we're struggling. Nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus our Lord. Nothing. Nothing, nothing can ever separate us from God's love for us. Nothing, nothing. Well, except if we choose to separate ourselves from God's love. I don't want it, God. 
I know what's best. Thanks, but no thanks. By hardening our hearts towards God and then choosing not to follow God. I'm gonna encourage you not to do that. In case you were wondering. So today, may you simply respond to God's voice by following God wherever God leads. And I'm not just talking to the person who may not be following God yet. I'm talking to everybody here who, who says I'm following God. May you Follow God wherever God leads. Why? Because God has your best interest at heart. Do you think God's not going to provide for you if he leads you here, there, wherever? Leads you into a different leadership role? Maybe move you? I don't know. Maybe change jobs? I don't know. May your whole life be a response to this truth that you have always been loved, that you are loved, and that you will always be loved by the God who created you and who has your best interests at heart. At some point, my friends, we will stand before God and give an account for our response to God's invitation to come follow him. You guys with me? And so judgment day, was ju- judgment day is wrapped up in our response to God. In our response, that is our living, will we reveal whether we belong to the people being saved or to the people being, as it says here in Revelation chapter 11, destroyed. I I don't know how else to say it. This judgment will be final. I'm just saying. Will we be on a platform next to some Megatron movie screen where all of our dark and dirty secrets are replayed for all the world to see? I, I highly doubt, I don't think so. I don't see God finding any purpose in doing that. Instead, I think God would be more apt to do what? Highlight the day. Highlight the day that we started saying no to sin and yes to God in all things. That is highlighting the day, celebrating the day. That we went all in. That we just started following God in every way and every day. Because what are we told? God forgets all of the past nonsense. And just sees us as we are in Christ Jesus. Because we have Christ Jesus' righteousness on us. Isn't that good news? I mean, come on. That's good. That's why I'm smiling. Come on, bring on Judgment Day. I'm praying for it. I want to spend eternity with my Lord and Savior. Therefore, I think Judgment Day will be about God simply revealing us for who we are. That's all it'll be. So I gotta ask, 
who are you? Seriously, who, who are you? Are you a follower of God or are you a follower of something else? Simple question that has eternal impact. So again, who, who are you? Really? Who, who do you want to be? God's asking. God's asking. God's waiting. What will be your response? Who wants to follow God wherever God leads? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, God. God, you see our hands, you see our heart desires. In front of you today, we're just, we're just saying, we just, we just want to follow you because we're just trusting that you have our best interests at heart. Why do we trust that? Because you are the God of love. You, you showed us. You showed us how much you love us by coming to us in the person of Jesus Christ, your one and only son. Experiencing everything that we've experienced on this earth, pain, joy, happiness, sorrow, betrayal, temptation. And then, and then you didn't just show us the way to live a life of obedience to you. you. You actually, your son, Jesus Christ, actually took our place, paid the price for our sin, died for us so we wouldn't have to, and then rose victorious over sin and death so that we can live in Christ's power, the power of the Holy Spirit. And so we're just, we want that. We want to follow you. So we're all in, and God, we're asking as we follow, come on, continue to, continue to, Transform us, prune us, shape us. I know it hurts at times. Continue us to make us more and more like you so that we can radiate your light no matter what the world situation is, no matter what circumstances we, we are living in, God. We just want to be a walking testimony of you, bearing witness to your truth and to your love so that everyone in your sphere of influence, that you are giving us a heart of love for, who are not following you yet will start to follow you, will ask us the question and will respond to an invitation that we give. Come on, come on, come follow this God that changed everything for us. God, please make it so. Please move. Please empower us. Please use us to expand your kingdom here on earth. In the mighty, powerful name of Jesus Christ, we pray and ask amen. Hey, my friends, if anybody here wants to chat with me watching online or or just sitting here today as you as you get on this journey or as you continue this journey just send me an email danderson at hillchurch.com i, I want to pray for you i got this really cool prayer wall in my, my office and i just I just pray over people i just write your name and pray over you and i want to journey with you or someone on our pastoral team if you relate more to them i'll connect we love you we want god's best for you and so this morning, will you just stand with me? And I just, just, as a worship team, Lynn, just, just come to the Father. Just, just make these words your words. Make these words your prayer. Make these words your life. Just respond to this Father that loves you this much. I'm so glad that my understanding and view of God was changed by some really good preachers, right? People that were bringing the truth. Oh, my life has never been the same. My life has never been the same. Mm. Oh, may you just enjoy the God adventure and everything that God has for you. May you 
Say yes every day. Whatever you want, God, use me today as you see fit. Keep working me. Keep making me like you. I want to partner with you to expand your kingdom here on earth. Come on, God, do your work, right? Oh, that's my prayer for you. And I do have a favor for you before you go. You can pull out your cell phone if you want, or you can just put it on your calendar after. But Thursday, May 20th, that's a Thursday night right here, 7 o'clock. Oh, I'm inviting people from all over our state to pack this place out for a worship and prayer night with our worship team. And I'm going to be working with four other pastors, Medford, Eugene, Bend, and we're going to come and we're going to worship and we're going to praise God and we're going to ask for God to move. And I need, I need help from you to maybe help show everyone how to do some worship, right? So put that in your calendar and let's pack this place and just see how God moves. Oh God, please, mm, we come to you this morning and just again say, we're all in. We follow you wherever you lead. So God, keep speaking. I guess you never stop speaking. God, please give us ears to hear. Give us the courage to follow. Pour out your spirit upon us. Empower us. Use us to change the world. In your mighty, powerful name, we pray and ask. Amen. Hey, you're dismissed. Have a great Mother's Day. Hope to see you next week.